This is your award-winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. Good morning and welcome to One Love, One Planet, the award-winning environmental radio show here on BCFM where we talk all things environmental in Bristol, the UK and the rest of the world. My name's Shona Jemfrey. I'm presenting this programme for several months while the amazing Penny Scythegate has a very well-deserved rest and recharges her batteries. We're going to be looking at some new stories related to the environment, both in Bristol and further afield. And today we have an interview with Heather from Avon Needs Trees, So welcome to One Love, One Planet. Thank you for joining us and settle in for what is sure to be an interesting hour. We're going to start, as we always do, with a little bit of a news roundup. News, both international, national and local. First one is a headline in the Washington Post. Historic Asia heat break. So it's basically there's been loads of records have been broken in uh, the heat wave in Asia has broken loads, hundreds of records with extreme temperatures in Thailand and China. Numerous heat records have been broken across Southeast Asia, China and other parts of the continent in recent days as the region remains in the grip of a dangerously scorching heat wave with Thailand in particular experiencing unusually extreme conditions. One weather historian is describing it as the worst April heat wave in Asian history. April and May are typically Thailand's hottest months, but the heat has uh, fueled the country's all-time hottest temperature late last week. Um, it surpassed 45 degrees Celsius for the first time ever on Friday. Residents were advised to stay indoors to avoid heat stroke as several all-time heat records were set in the country. In uh, another headline in The New Scientist, the UK has almost no credible plans to adapt to climate change. Advisors to the UK government warn that failure to plan for the effects of climate change is putting the country at risk as with threats such as food shortages and power blackouts. I suppose we're seeing when we have uh, these extreme climate weather, we not only have uh, the heat waves, but we are also potentially going to be seeing uh, knock-on effects like the food shortages and as power blackouts as well as extreme weather and flooding and of course in Bristol we're particularly at risk of flooding because we're reasonably close to the coast we're going to be talking to Heather later in the program who who's working with uh, planting extra trees there's a even these trees are are planting thousands of trees partly to help uh, mitigate against flooding because we know that a lack of trees causes more risk of flooding because the trees are very good at sort of capturing soaking up the water and preventing landslides so we will hear more about that very shortly um other news maybe you saw this yesterday the the snooker got uh stopped because a just stop oil protesters uh jumped on one of the snooker tables and threw orange powder everywhere uh to draw attention to um their demands they feel the government aren't doing enough to stop oil um yeah to 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 prevent new offshore uh drilling um so this you know this was is quite quite controversial you know what does snooker really have to do with oil but if it's the only way to get attention what do you think about that you know what is this is this you know something we have to try everything or is it that we are you know people just wanting attention but yes so the snooker championship was disrupted yesterday it's restarted today but just stop oil protesters have um yeah have been working have been working on that to draw attention and they tweeted saying that they are demanding that the government immediately stop all new uk fossil fuel projects and they're calling on uk sporting institutions to join them in civil resistance against the government's policies 
and there's obviously the big one in London this weekend where Extinction Rebellion and a bunch of other environmental groups are gathering together to try and get as many people into the streets as possible to demand change. So yeah, that is all very interesting and a bit controversial. Other political news, um, not we. so there's local elections going on very soon, not in Bristol, but in other areas of the country, including in Bath and other areas. And for the first time, you're going to need, in England, you're going to need voter ID to go vote. You're going to need to show photo ID to vote at polling stations in some elections. That That's going to apply to local elections, police and crime commissioner elections, UK parliamentary by-elections. And it will also apply to UK general elections from October onwards. So if we have any general elections that happen after October, you're going to need photo ID to vote. If you don't have accepted photo ID, you can apply for free vote voter ID document um, so, and you can find out how to do that on the government website if you go to electoralcommission.org.uk you can find out more about that other uh, UK news did you see about Finsbury Park and the tough mudder that kind of really tore up the park um, it happened over the weekend so if you know about these tough mudder events it's a chance for people to do some quite extreme uh, sporting things where they have to run around and climb under things and over things it's meant to be very physically grueling um, and it happens you know it's held in, across the country in different places but there was one held in Finsbury Park and um, partly because of the weather conditions it absolutely uh, sort of destroyed the ground it's extremely muddy a lot of people are very upset it's not going to go back to Finsbury Park but you know it is a question about how we I guess how we interact with nature how we we are we want to encourage people to get out there to enjoy nature to jog to run to make the most of it but balancing that with protecting it so that's interesting I suppose to think about how we can get that balance more local news so sad news about Brislington Meadows the Homes England now have got permission to develop Brislington Meadows if you've been following this you know that there was an appeal um, about building housing on a wildlife haven in South Bristol and there's been a big campaign about it. The council um, have been pushing back against it more recently um, but that has now been a Allowed, the government is going to allow Homes England to but to build, I think, 260 homes on Brislington Meadows, which is um, very upsetting for people who love that area. It's um, got a lot of natural habitats, a lot of mature trees, um, some very interesting, very good biodiversity. So that's obviously quite upsetting. In more, in other news, which is possibly more positive, possibly um, difficult, if depending on the area, there's going to be a trial to see parts of East Bristol become car free. This uh, is a headline on the IT- ITV website. Parts of East Bristol could become car free later this year in a liver neighbourhood trial we were talking a bit about this on the breakfast show yesterday and sort of debating about how is that going to work for people who live in the area who need their friends and family to come visit them to park in the area Um, the scheme will see traffic banned from driving through many parts of Barton Hill Redfield and St George in order to make residential streets safer it will cover a wide area south of Lawrence Hill Church Road and Summer Hill Road residents living inside the trial area will still be able to drive to their homes and access will be kept for delivery and emergency services. Bristol City Council hopes it will reduce rat running and pollution, hopes it will improve the air quality and that it will make walking and cycling safer. 
Um, other aims of the trial include getting local residents to be more active, reducing social isolation, planting more trees and greenery and making it safer for children to get to school. The experimental trial is expected to launch toward the end of the year. Results will then be monitored and evaluated before a permanent scheme is brought in, possibly in early 2025. East Bristol was chosen as the first area because it is close to major developments like the Temple Quarter Regeneration Scheme, as well as major walking and cycling routes. Um, but there was, yeah, we, there was quite a bit of debate. Yesterday we were talking about, you know, some people people in the area who may be really reliant on cars and, yes, who need their friends or family to come to come look after them and need you know so they need people who don't live in the area to still be able to get in with their cars is that going to be okay you know a lot of people have, are still adjusting to the clean air zone which is important for pollute uh, for reducing pollution but has been very difficult for some people to adjust to that if they don't have a car within the um, acceptable pollution levels so yeah i think there's i think this is going to be a bit of a controversial one the idea i think is that if it goes well it will be rolled out in other areas across the city and uh, lawrence hill and the barton hill area is particularly bad for air pollution i think it's one of the worst in the city which is maybe another reason that it was chosen to uh, try and improve the air quality but yeah so that is an interesting one and final bit of local news so um the that a new Bristol bus route has been launched by a different company to replace a service that was axed by First Bus. So this um, was in Bristol Live. Um, Transpora launches a new bus service to replace one that fell victim to cuts. The new number 25 bus will run from Eastgate Retail Centre and Tesco and Eastfield. It's going to go through St. Warburg's, through St. Paul's, into Broadmead and into the city centre. It's been set up by the London-based bus company Transpora Group. It replaces a couple of services that have been dropped by first bus west of uh, first bus west of England, um, so yeah, I mean it's not it wasn't really clear as to how this is going to integrate with first buses. Will you be able to use your like day ticket on all of them or only some of them? Um, but certainly for people in that in that area who have been seeing their bus services being cut, I'm sure it's very welcome. So we will keep you updated with all the bus drama as always as it keeps going. We're going to play some music night and then we're going to have an interview with Heather Mack from Avon Needs Trees all about um, yeah, their, their big tree planting project just outside Bristol and how people can get involved with that if they want. And so today we have a very special interview with a guest uh, from a project all about new tree planting. It's Heather Mack from Avon Needs Trees. Good morning, Heather. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. I'm enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, it's lovely. I, I hope it lasts because it, I keep getting my hopes up and then it starts raining about 2pm. So fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, you are here to tell us all about this uh, new prod, well, newish project, Avon Needs Trees. I understand you, there's been a, you've been doing a lot of tree planting. Yeah, tell us a bit about what the project is. So Avon Needs Trees has been around for a few years now. Um, her purpose is to create permanent woodlands for the purpose of carbon sequestration, but also um, the ecological impact. Uh, it's fantastic. There's a number of sites across the area, and at the moment we're focusing on the Great Avon Wood, which is the biggest tree planting project in the west of England. We procured the land only earlier this year, so it's been really, you know, 
quick and on the ground because all the tree planting happens in the winter. We actually really want the cold and the wet weather because that's perfect for the for the new trees to go in. So I have to say that the bit of rain makes me happy because it means all of these <laughs> new trees that are in are bedding in well. Um, yeah, so we've just finished our first tree planting season. We planted 6,000 trees out of roughly about 40,000 we all plant on our new site. Oh my goodness. So, okay, so just over the last few months you've planted 6,000 trees just outside Bristol. Yeah, absolutely. So the site is uh, just beyond Whitchurch. It's about a couple of miles south of Bristol. In fact, you can cycle the Whitchurch way to get there, which is fantastic. And it's 113 acres. Um, which is massive. It's very big to get your head around. Yeah, <laughs> over the next um, over three years, we'll be planting about 40,000 trees. Amazing. And I mean, I guess I mean this might be a stupid question, but why do we? Why is it important to plant trees? Why is it worth planting these trees here? Um, is it you know they're not sort of in the city? Uh, later, I'm going to be talking to someone all about the need, the importance of street trees within a city. Why is it important to plant trees even if they're not within a city? So the United Kingdom is one of the most deforested countries in Western Europe. Um, we we used to be covered in forests, and that is good. It's good for carbon sequestrations. It's good for taking the carbon out of the atmosphere and combating climate change. It's also good for biodiversity. We've really reduced our biodiversity, our habitats, for all of the mammals and insects and the pollinators that we used to have. And even in the UK, where we are, is one of the most um, deforested areas. So we're only on 8% tree cover across the Avon River catchment. That's the area that we work on. And Avon Needs Trees would like to get that up to 16%, so double that tree canopy. And we're working with friends, the Forest of Avon Trust, um, on that. Um, and we co own the Great Avon Wood. Amazing. So, what, yes, yeah, so these bits of wood that you're, these bits of land that you're planting on, that's coming in from other trusts or um, from from I don't know from the, the government where are you sort of the where's the funding coming from yeah well that's complicated and we've got a number of projects that are <laughs> owned slightly differently so this one we got some money from DEFRA to get the land and as I say we co-own it with the Forest of Avon Trust there's others where um, we're actually working with an arrangement where the land is being gifted in perpetuity so we will only plant trees where they're going to be there permanently um, we, there are there are tree planting projects that you know might be planting trees for a short amount of time, and those trees would then be cut down and used. But we really want permanent woodlands. Yes, because I was about to say, I'm sure there's you know you're just saying about how it's important to plant trees actually during the winter when it's cold and wet, which I'd never thought about. I do not have a green thumb at all. I struggled to keep spider plants alive. But from what you're saying, there's sort of a good way, a good type of tree planting, and also a less useful type of tree planting. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm new to Avon Needs Trees, but I'm absolutely blown away by the commitment to to planting trees properly and to looking after them properly. It's really incredible. So last year, with there was a drought last summer. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more droughts. We're, we're acting to try and stop climate change, but we're acting at a time when climate change is impacting us. So those droughts are really, really hard when you have, and um, we call them baby trees, but when you have the little trees in, and some projects were seeing 70%, 80%. I think I've heard of projects that lost almost all of their trees due to that drought. We lost 13%. And that's a normal sort of, you know, year um, with, with average, you know, average tree loss, weather conditions. And so we just look after them really well. We put mulch mats down to try and keep some of the moisture in 
We don't use any chemicals, we don't use any pesticides, but we ask volunteers to come and help us. Um, we're moving some of the grass from around the trees over the summer to look after them. So we're really, really committed to keeping them all alive, but doing it in a way that doesn't impact the ecology or the habitats around. Oh my goodness. So yes, so those, because you kind of look after them well, they've got a better chance of surviving into adulthood even while the climate crisis is going on. Is that, yeah. that's right, yeah. And so what, um, yeah, I mean, there, there'd be some people who'd be arguing um, you know that uh, this land should be used for for building homes or for growing food you know what's I guess what's your views on on that on kind of like how we use our land in Avon? Yeah so I, I think we need a variety of land use in Avon obviously we need to be considering our our food production where we're getting food from a lot of our food production is very um, we have grazing we have livestock it takes up a lot of land on this site, we're only going to be planting trees on about 60%. And we do choose the areas that are less productive for food production. Uh, so we can, we can make those sorts of decisions. And we are looking at the other 40%. There might be some sort of food production. And potentially, it might be something that produces food in a, in a more efficient way than when we use a large amount of land. Um, and in terms of homes, well, that comes down to planning policy, and I wouldn't get into that. But there are areas that are protected to remain as green spaces and wild spaces, and we absolutely need that space to protect habitats and pollinators. Uh, so I think it's very important that around the city we have those green spaces. Very good. And and will people be? Yeah. So if I could. Uh, people get involved if they this is something they want to if this is something they sound interest uh, that sounds interesting to them you said there are a chance for volunteers yes so all summer we will need volunteers um, and that's going to basically keep the trees alive and then next winter we're hoping to plant somewhere close to twenty thousand trees which is a lot of people on site helping um, and you can anyone can look at volunteering, go onto our website, which is avonneedstrees.org.uk, and you can check it out there, sign up to the newsletter, sign up to be a volunteer, and you'll be told everything that's going on. As I say, it's really easy to get to this site from Bristol and cycle there. There's a bus. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really easy way to get involved with this sort of project. And what sort of trees are you planting? Is it uh, are there specific varieties or uh, species that are good for this area? Yeah, we, it's quite a variety that we are planting um, and they're all, they are native um, broadleaf. So that's really important that we are planting things that fit in with this area. Quite a lot of something that um, a lot of people haven't heard of, but there's a lot of hornbeam. Um, some of the site is quite wet and we want to preserve some of that wetland. We think it's a really important habitat. So we're having to consider that and what we're planting there. Um, so there might be some willow there. Amazing. And this is, I mean, you're not sort of literally just planting the seeds in the ground when it comes to planting the trees in the winter. I presume they've kind of been grown in a nursery or something first. Yeah, they're a couple of years old. So they're maybe two foot, up to two foot and plant them really carefully because their roots are very sensitive at that point. So very gentle, make a little hole in the ground. Um, there's lots of different jobs when it comes to tree planting. Some of it, you know, getting the spade and making a hole is a bit of work. But um, <laughs> it's great when there's a team of people because there's different things people can be doing. So although it is going to be strenuous, you know, getting out of sight into the field, it is, it's a wonderful volunteering thing to do. Yeah, very, quite muddy, I imagine, as well. But like sort of very, uh, yeah, sort of a good, good exercise. You don't need to go to the gym, I'm sure, when you've been busy um, planting trees. 
No, it's been muddy and wet at the end of this year, but that, as I say, it's good for the trees. Yeah. And just, we've got a few minutes left, but could you just, yeah, so if, the, a bit of about the benefits of, you said, about the tree coverage. It's important for biodiversity, but what else, um, what else are, you know, might be a stupid question, but what else are trees good for? Why is it important that we kind of increase our woodland cover in this area? It's really important to prevent flooding. And as the climate crisis gets worse, as the rainfall becomes more intense and, uh, you know, more at one time, that's going to be so important that around the Avon catchment, so that's all based off this one river that, you know, runs through Bristol and we know it. Uh, but having those trees, it slows the water down as it moves through the um, through the trees and through the ground and just dampens that flood, that sort of impact of that water and that flooding so that's going to be so important and if we don't start doing that we're going to see loads more of the really massive floods so for me that's really important but also just that thing about locking carbon away and that's why we say about these permanent woodlands so as they grow they're taking the carbon from the atmosphere um, and then grow bigger and bigger and as long as they're staying there that stays out of the atmosphere. Amazing and if someone maybe listening, maybe a farmer, maybe someone, a business, someone who has a bit of land, who's like, oh, I'm not using it. Do you want, you know, would they be interested in planting trees? Is that something that people could approach you about? Yeah, absolutely. As I say, our ambition is to double the tree canopy across Avon. So we are looking to expand to take on new sites every year. And we have lots of ways that we can work, whether it's land being gifted, whether there's a covenant, so it still belongs to someone else, but we're working on their forever for perpetuity or whether we are using helping working funders to buy land and um, so all of those options for anyone who'd be interested please do get in touch amazing and if people you know maybe they don't have the time or they're not able to volunteer they don't have the land but can they donate if this is something they, they sign you know they feel excited about yeah and it's a fantastic time right now because we are part of the aviva community fund it's the saving our wild isles fund where they are double match funding. So if people are willing to donate to a project like this, right now, if someone donated £10, we would get £30. So it's a really incredible time. It's a great opportunity. It's only going on for a few weeks. So I really wanted to talk about that. Um, and you can find that at Aviva, that's A-V-I-V-A, communityfund.co.uk forward slash great dash Avon dash woods. Very good. And um, yeah, last question. What's your favourite type of tree? Have you got a favourite or you, you can't pick one? Oh, there are so many great trees. I think it's about the specific tree and I haven't mentioned yet. But we have an amazing, it's called the Pueblo Oak and it's a very, very ancient old oak tree on our site that is beautiful and very interesting and just incredible. Uh, so that might be becoming my favourite tree. I think I like the really big grand trees. Um, horse chestnuts are always fun too for some conkers <laughs> yes of course in autumn that'd be great um, yeah so where can people where can people find you on social media or online if they want to find out a bit more maybe get involved so on twitter we are Avon Needs Trees our website is avonneedstrees.org.uk and our current triple your money fundraiser is avivacommunityfund.co.uk forward slash great dash avon dash wood amazing i mean thanks so much for yeah speaking to us heather is there anything else you want to leave us with any final thoughts just 
I think it's so important to get out, get out in nature when you can, if it's something like volunteering with us, but experiencing and seeing these trees and seeing the biodiversity and the wonderful habitats we have just outside of Bristol. And I think that that then really builds that love to try and protect and build more of this. And is it something like uh, younger people could could volunteer or get involved if their parents or guardians give permission or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. We have family groups coming quite often. Um, we also have university groups. Uh, so yeah, um, well, open to everyone. Great. Well, people can get in touch then if they want to organise that. Well, thanks so much, Heather. And yeah, good luck. I'm excited to hear, yeah, hear more about it in future. Um, but yeah, have a lovely rest of your day. And thank you very much. Have a great day. There is also another event, a film happening on Saturday, on the, um, which is to do with Earth Day. So if you're not going down to the big one, but you still want to be in, you want to uh, sort of do something to mark Earth Day, there is a film happening at the watershed called The Felling. And it's all about a group of residents and protesters in Sheffield who managed to save thousands of trees from being felled. We've got a little interview with the film's director, Eve Woods, that we'll just play now. And today we have um, a director of a documentary film all about a campaign to save some trees in Sheffield. We've got Eve Woods with us. Good morning, Eve. How are you? Hi, good morning. Lovely. So you are, there's a film being screened at the Watershed this Saturday to coincide with Earth Day. And it's called The Felling. And it's about a campaign to protect some trees in Sheffield. And can you tell us a little bit more about the story behind the film or this campaign? Well, the story is about how a community comes together to actually save street trees. It's really important. These are street trees. So they belong they, they belong to the council. So they're not protected in a way that they are in the woods, which I only recently found out. There's a difference between the street tree and the wood tree uh, in the protection of them. So they are owned by the council. They So in theory, they can do with them with them what they want. Uh, well, the council here has decided to um, sign a 2.2 billion private contract with a you know a big multinational uh, to basically do their highways. So this was a highways contract, but in the process, um, in what was initially thought, 5,000 trees were going to be cut down in the first five years of the contract, uh, but it turned out to be a lot more trees <laughs> than they actually uh, was revealed. So. This story is about how a community tries to stop the council chopping down their beloved trees. Most of them, you know, in front of their house. People have got a connection to trees. Uh, trees are not just lampposts. They were treated like lampposts that you could replace. Well, you don't just replace a tree, you know, that's 100 or 200 years old. It takes a long time to grow to that size. Uh, so there was all this sort of misinformation given by the council. Oh, you know, you can just replace a tree to sort of win people over, but you can't just replace a tree. It takes a long time for a tree to grow. Uh, so they are precious things and they were just treated like lampposts, basically. So this is really, a, it, it really, this film really shows how, how important it is to, to protect those trees and how people have connections with them. And they'll do anything to, to try and protect this. What you see in this film is like a 90 year old, you know, spending all day standing on the dead tree in front of the house, you know, with the crutches just being in the cold, but they, they think it's important. So what you see is everybody coming out to protect these uh, the the precious trees, really. But at the, in the in the process, they are being treated very badly by the council, uh, threatened with court, uh, arrested, 
uh, having to spend eight hours in the, in the cells just for no reason, uh, without medication sometimes, uh, all sorts of things, being priced, priced of uh, railings, you know, 70-year-olds being priced of railings, uh, you know, quite forcefully. Um, so it's quite a shocking story if you if you see it. I mean, The Guardian described it as a shocking tale, and it is shocking when you see it. Uh, it shouldn't have happened, basically. Yeah, I mean, wow, it sounds, yeah, a bit of a David and Goliath struggle. And what it is, yeah, and it's what's happened in Plymouth recently, isn't it? They they chopped down the hundred trees in the centre, which again are street trees, and they are supposedly the property of the council. Um, and there were hundred trees were cut down overnight, again in the middle of the night, um, which I, you know, yeah, against the community's will again, who tried to stop it. It's, it's so it's still happening, even though this was a success story and they stopped a further twelve thousand trees from being destroyed it's still happening across the country oh my god Twelve thousand trees they were able to protect them from being yeah. chopped down oh my goodness yes i mean sheffield has got thirty-five thousand street trees it's a very green city and basically half of them were at stake because obviously it takes money to to maintain those trees i suppose it's you know it's it's more difficult maybe to the pavements you know to you have to work around it a little bit more so it costs a bit more money maybe from a highway's point of view, uh, so they can be a nuisance from a highway point of view. You know, it's all about money in the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. And councils don't have much money, so yeah, who's to blame in the end is probably <laughs> the government. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you you were given all this, you were given lots of footage about this yeah. story, and then you had to sort of weave, you had to weave the story out of it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I worked with my husband as well, who, who basically read through all the emails that, that were sort of uh, gathered afterwards, uh, reports, court orders, all that sort of stuff, to to figure out what actually had, was happening. Because at the time when the protesters were dealing with the council, it was at the time what was happening to them was a surprise. They didn't really know what was going on behind closed doors. They only found out later on, you know, through like freedom of information requests and stuff like that, what was really going on. Uh, and obviously... At, in the end, they managed to get the council to reveal the contract when it was became apparent that there were a lot more trees at stake than they initially said, and that's when it kind of stopped. When the when the yeah. Anyway, I won't I won't say too much about it because that will spoil the film, I suppose. Absolutely. A bit. <laughs> so the film is at two o'clock at the watershed this Saturday. Yeah, and what's quite interesting is, is I've been at, present at the screenings, and it's really good to see where you. Sort of hear the audience's responses, which a lot of them is disbelief, and they come out of the screenings quite uh, moved and uh, angry, but also encouraged to 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 maybe protest to for whatever they want to you know stand up for. So hopefully that's what this film does: try to to make it into a narrative, you know, something that people could engage with, uh, and hopefully that you know succeeded in doing that. And some great music, by the way, from Sheffield Music. Uh, by from Sheffield musicians donated to to the film. Amazing! So that was that was really good to work with some fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, well, brilliant! Well, so anyone listening who's interested, you can catch that at the Watershed this Saturday at two p.m. It's called The Felling. It's directed by Eve Wood with photography and footage shot by Jackie Bellamy. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Eve, and good luck um, with the yeah with all the different screenings, and hopefully this will inspire more people we have a long history in bristol of trying to protect our trees but hopefully this will inspire more people to get involved 
All right. Thanks very much for having me. Well, we are almost at the end of the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We've had a very packed show, lots and lots to think about. But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening. Without you, there is no show. Please do join us next week when we're going to be talking to Kevin from One Planet Matters, which is a project that focuses on creating networks through nature-based activities. So that includes connecting schools to nature-based activities, doing multi-generational activities, uh, to bring generations together to connect with each other um, and the growing communities network and they work a lot with Roots Allotment who we have had on the show before so that is all going to be very interesting next up on BCFM is lunchtime with Tristan B so keep it locked to BCFM for more tunes and chat but that's all from me Shona Jemfrey for now so please take care have a good day look after yourselves look after the planet and look after each other this is the podcast version of One Love, One Planet, the award-winning environmental radio show, broadcast every Tuesday at 11am on BCFM Radio, available on 93.2 FM, on digital radio and on the BCFM website. The show was produced and presented by Shona Jemfrey. You can find us on Twitter at Shona Jemfrey and at BCFM Radio.